Okay, so we are on Lamed Dalet Amabez 34b, um, the first colon on the page. We're going to talk about bowing, different types of bowing that we would use during different uh, points in a prayer service at different points in history. Tanur Rabbanon, the rabbis taught, Kida alapayim. When we talk about the word Kida, that is bowing on your face. Shinemar, as the verse says, Vatikod Basheva apayim eretz, that Basheva, she bowed down. Um, she bowed down on her face to the ground. Kriya al birkayim. When we talk about kriya, that Hebrew word of bowing, then that means bowing on your knees. Shinemar, as the verse says, mikroa al birkav about King Solomon. It says that he got up from bowing on his knees. Hashdachavaya zopishut yadayim v'raglaim. When we talk about um, the verb of hishdachavaa which is another Hebrew word for bowing. That is a reference to actually extending your arms and legs. Shinemar, as the verse says, As it says, um, will it really be that me and your mother and your brothers will bow down to you on the ground? So we see that it's a complete being, a completely being on the ground, and that would be when you stretch out your arms and legs completely on the ground will be that type of bowing. By the way, that verse that we just read is um, Yaakov talking to Yosef, Jacob speaking to his son Joseph after Jacob after Joseph uh, shares a dream with him. All right, um, now we're going to speak further about this bowing. So we're saying that Rabchia. Um, the son of Ravuna said that he saw that Abaye and Rava, when they bowed there, or when they leaned, they leaned on their sides. Um, and this is a reference to um, the part of Tachnun. So basically there's a supplication prayer right after the Amida, where you'll notice that people kind of sit down and put their hand head on their arm and they'll do some sort of bowing, almost they're putting their head onto the table. And what we're saying here is that they saw that Abai and Rava, they leaned on their sides instead of completely bowing. That's what they did in that instance. Okay. Tani Chada. So now we're going to talk more about bowing, specifically bowing during the Thanksgiving blessing of the Amida. Tani Chada, one opinion in Ebraisa said, um, someone that bows during the Thanksgiving blessing is praiseworthy. And the other Brisa says, it's actually disgraceful to bow during the Thanksgiving blessing. So how do we reconcile these two Brisas? It's not a question. When we talk about it being praiseworthy to bow in the Thanksgiving blessing, that's blessing. That's bowing at the beginning of the blessing. When you say those words, um, we are thankful to you, God. Um, and where we say that it's disgraceful to bow is would be at the end of the blessing um, when you actually are finishing off. Blessed are you, God. Okay. Um, so Rava Kara However, we did see that Rava he would bow during the Thanksgiving offering, both at the beginning and at the end. Amrile Rabbanon and the sages said to him, Avid Marhachi, why did you do like this? Amr Lahu, he said to them. I saw that Rav Nachman would bow like this, meaning at the beginning and at the end of the Thanksgiving blessing. And I also saw Rav Sheshis doing the same exact thing. Now we have an obvious question. But didn't we learn in Abraisa 
that if you bow at during the Thanksgiving blessing, then it's disgraceful and you shouldn't do it. So how could it be then that Rava bowed both at the beginning at the end and Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshis, who we said he saw bow like this, how does that make sense? So hahi behoda they all understood that when I talked about blessing during the Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, bowing during the Thanksgiving blessing, when we talked about it being disgraceful, that was not the Thanksgiving blessing of the Shemona Esrei, of the Amida, but rather the Thanksgiving blessing of the Hallel. Um, on holidays, we add a supplementary prayer service into our morning prayer service, which is called Hallel. It's made up of many uh, different psalms in uh, the book of Psalms. And um, basically, during that Thanksgiving blessing, one should not be bowing. But then we say, now we have another question. But doesn't there, isn't there a b'risa that says that if you bow during the Thanksgiving blessing and during the Thanksgiving blessing of Hallel, that's disgraceful, which would seem to imply that besides for the Thanksgiving blessing of the Hallel, there's another time, there's another Thanksgiving blessing during which it would be disgraceful to bow. And we're forced to conclude that that is going to be the Shemona Esther, is the Amida's Thanksgiving blessing. So what we would see here is a brisa that would seem to tell us that we should not be bowing at the end of the Thanksgiving blessing. So then how do we explain everybody else? So No, that Bryce, when it talked about another Thanksgiving blessing, that was actually the Thanksgiving blessing of the grace after meals. And the Bryce is saying, don't bow during the grace after meals. Don't bow during that Thanksgiving blessing. Okay. We're now going to be starting the Mishnah. One, two, three, four, five lines down from where the lines get medium, medium-sized. And um, we're going to talk more about prayer. Hamispalil v'ta'a, somebody that was praying in made a mistake. Simon Rallo. We say that it's a bad omen for him. And if he is leading the services for the congregation, Simon Rallo Sholchav, it's also a bad omen for those that sent him up for the congregation. Because there's a very important um, mechanism or concept in the Gemara, which says, that the agent of somebody is like him himself, is like that person himself. And therefore, in this scenario, the person leading the service represents everybody else. They become like one. And therefore, if it's a bad omen for him, it's a bad omen for everybody. They said about Rabbi Chanina ben Dosa, that he used to pray for those that were sick. And then he would go on and say, this one's going to live and this one's going to die. And obviously the people asked him, from where do you know, or how do you know, that, some are, that this person's going to live and this person's going to die? He said as follows, If my prayer is fluent in on my lips, while I'm praying for a specific person, then I know that it will be accepted and the sick person will um, recover. And if not, meaning if my prayer does not come out fluently, then I know that my prayer um, was not accepted and therefore the person will die. Okay. So the first thing we talked about in the Mishnah was making a mistake during the prayer session and how it's a bad omen. So now what exactly... Um, what exactly are we talking about? What type of uh, what type of uh, mistake? So ahai. So now we're in the Gemara, um, the first word of the Gemara. Um, ahai. On which meaning when we talked about a 
mistake in the Shimon Asrei, um, which mistake are we referring to? Or during which blessing of the Shimon Asrei are we referring to when we talk about making this type of mistake? So, Amr Chia, Amr Safra, Mishum Chadadei Rabbi. Rav Chia said in the name of Rav Safra, who said in the name of somebody that studied in the Academy of Rabbi. We're specifically talking about making a mistake in the first blessing of the Shemona Esrei, the one of the patriarchs. Um, because during that blessing, um, during that blessing, number one, that's it's the first blessing. So if he opens up with already making a mistake, then it seems to show that it's uh, it's not going to be, it's not a very... Um, it's not a very accepted prayer service. Um, and furthermore, it's during this blessing specifically that you're supposed to have specific, uh, really proper focus. And if you're making a mistake during it, again, that would seem to be a bad omen. Some say, or some taught this in regards to a b'raisa, um, where it says, um, somebody that is praying the Amida needs to focus, needs to have the correct um, intention throughout the Shemona Esrei for every single one of the blessings. But if you cannot have focus for all of the blessings, meaning you cannot uh, concentrate for all of them, then you should at least concentrate for one of the blessings. And Rav Chia said in the name of Rav Safra, who said this in the name of a scholar of the Academy of Rabbi, the blessing that you specifically need to concentrate during in order to fulfill the entire Amidah, in order to fulfill your prayer service, is the first blessing of the Shemona Esrei, which is the one about the patriarchs. Okay, now we're going to talk about the next part of the Mishnah. Amrullah Rabbi Chinina, they had said about Rabbi Chinina ben Dosa that he would pray for the sick and he would say, this one is going to live and this one's going to die, and we explained how he knew this. Minohanimili. Now, the question is, is this is very interesting. But is there a verse in the Torah that tells us of this concept that you could know, um, you know, if someone's going to live or someone's going to die based on your prayer? So, Amr B'Shu Ben Levi, Rabbi Shu Ben Levi said, Amar Karl, the verse says, Borei nivisvasayim shalom shalom l'rachot v'lakarov. So he creates the utterances of lips, peace, peace, for those that are far and those that are near. Amar Hashem urifasiv said Hashem. Urifasiv and I will heal him. And what we're basically saying here is that if you take a look at that first word where we talk about he creates, it also means, um, it also could mean strong. In other words, if my, if the utterances of my lips are peaceful, then the person I am praying for will end up being strong and God will heal him. Or um, so, some, something along those lines. I think there's a couple of different ways to explain it. Um, but that's basically the idea. Um, okay, so uh, so again, when the utterances of my lips are strong, meaning it's fluent, then God will heal the person. Okay. Um, um, the, all of the prophets... They only prophesied about this concept of somebody's daughter, about one's daughter being able to marry a Torah scholar. Meaning, that is when they talked about, where they prophesied about reward, 
that is where the reward would be found if somebody, if you, your daughter marrying a Torah scholar. Right, so the greatest reward comes when you marry your daughter to a Torah scholar and for somebody that does business on behalf of a Torah scholar. And somebody that, um, that benefits a Torah scholar with his own possessions. However, the scholars themselves um, so for the Torah scholars themselves, the reward for them is beautifully described by this verse in Isaiah. Um, no eye has seen, except yours, God, um, that which will be done for those that wait for you. In other words, the reward for a Torah scholar, those that wait for God, are, is indescribable. The prophets, they only prophesied about the times of Messiah, of Ali Olam Haba. However, the world to come, um, no eye besides for yours, God, has seen it. So this is a very interesting concept. What we see here is that there's the messianic era and then there's the world to come which are two different things. If you take a look in Jewish different works of Jewish philosophy, you'll find that there may be different descriptions about what each one of those is. Um, so we'll just go with one explanation, which is that Olam Haba is the world to come, which is the concept of where our souls go after death. And then the Messianic era is the end of days um, where all of our souls um, will end up um, after the when, when Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes. And what it's saying is, is that the prophets prophesied about the Messianic era, but about the world to come where our souls go after death, that no one could even uh, comprehend. Upliga the Shmuel, and this argues on Shmuel. Dumber Shmuel, because Shmuel said, There's actually no difference between this world and the Messianic era except for um, the subjugation of the kings. In other words, we will no longer be subjugated by a foreign king. Shenemar, as the verse says, as it says um, about the times of Mashiach, that the poor will not be held back from the midst of the land. In other words, there will still be poor people. So don't think of it as this completely utopian society, rather just that we will not be subjugated by any foreign kings. We'll have our own rulership. Now, if this is the case, that the times of Mashiach will not be supernatural, then obviously when the prophets are prophesizing it cannot, about supernatural things happening, it cannot be they're prophesizing about the days of Mashiach. They must be prophesizing about the world to come, unlike what Rabbi Yochanan had said. Okay? All of the prophets, they only prophesized about the reward that will come for a Baal Tshuva, somebody that repents, somebody that uh, lived a certain way, perhaps I mean, not disconnected from the the word of God, and then repents and um, comes, you know, and, and adopts the uh, the ways of God. About Tzadik and Gemurim, however, for, so that's who the, re, that when, when they talk about reward, they're referring to the reward for these Baalei Teshuva. However, 
about Sadiq and Gamorim, somebody that has always been righteous and is completely righteous. Ayin lo ra'asa elokim um, again, only the eye of God has been able to see it. In other words, their reward is beyond comprehension. Now, Now, this obviously argues with Rabbi Avohu, because Rabbi Avohu said, a place where somebody that repented stands, even the completely righteous cannot stand on that level, meaning they're on a higher level than the completely righteous who have always been righteous. Um, as the verse says, Shalom, Shalom, peace, peace, to those that are far and those that are near. And what does it say? It first says peace to those that are far and only then to those that are near. As if to tell you that those that are far or at least were far and now have repented, they are they are on a higher level, they are on a, 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 a closer level to God than those that have always been completely righteous. So Rabbi Vo obviously argues with Rabbi Yochanan who felt that the reward for a Baal Tshuva is less than the reward is for somebody that is a complete, completely righteous and has always been righteous. Okay? Now, Rabbi Yochanan, what's he going to do with that verse that seemed to imply that the those that were far and then came close are on a higher level than those that are were always close? My Rachok, how is he going to explain this concept of far? So this means he understands that this is somebody that was always distanced himself from a transgression. Umay karov, and what does it mean? Close. It's a reference to somebody that was close to, that was not distant from transgression and only distanced himself later on. Now my ayin lo ra'asa. Now the verse that we keep using. To describe the, incomp- the the that the the reward that is incomprehensible is that no eye has seen it except for God's. Amr B'shuvan Levi. Sir B'shuvan Levi says, "What is this a reference to?" This is the wine that has been preserved in its grapes since the six days of creation. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani Amar. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani said, "Ze'eden shal shaltabo ayin kol this is Aden, so not the Garden of Aden, but an even higher spiritual level uh, upon which no one has ever even seen. Shema Tomar Adam Arisham Hechahaya. Now you're going to tell me, wait a minute, where was Adam, the first man, Adam and Eve? Weren't they in Aden? So we'll answer Bagan. No, they were in the Garden of Eden. The Shema Tomar Hugan Hu Aden. Now perhaps you'll say that the Garden of Aden. And Eden itself is the same thing. Tamolomar, therefore it says, Vinahar Yotseme Aden. A river came forth from Aden, Lahashkosis Hagan, to water the garden of Eden. So obviously Aden and the Garden of Eden are two different places. Gam Lachud, the Aden Lachud, this would seem to teach us that the garden is one place and Eden is another place. Okay? Tanrabana the Rabbi Stat. Okay, we're at the colon, um, 12 lines down in the widest lines. Once happened that the son of Rabbi Gamil got sick. Rabbi Gamil sent two scholars to Rabbi Chinina ben Dosa to ask him to pray for mercy for his son. The moment he saw them, he went up to the second story and prayed for mercy. 
Birida so Amr Lahem, and when he came back down, he said to them, Lechu Shecholatsto Chama. Um, say, go, go back, because the fever has left, has left Rabbi Gamliel's son. Amr Lo so they asked him, are you a prophet that you're able to tell us this? Amr Lahem, he said to them, Lo Navi Anochi, Lo Ven Navi Anochi, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not the son of a prophet. Elakach Mikublaini, but this is the tradition that I have. Imshkurat Filasi, I'm sorry, Elakach Mikublaini, rather, this is the tradition that I have. Imshkurat Filasi, Bifi, that if my prayer is fluent in my mouth, then I know that it will be accepted. And if it's not, I'll know that it's rejected. Um, and uh, and obviously this time it was fluent. So they sat down. So they returned to Rabbi Gamliel and they sat down and they wrote. And they were very exact. That exact moment. Um, so they, they really, they, 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 not when they got back, I'm sorry, at that moment, they were very exact about what time it was and at what time of the day and which day of the week. So that he went, so that when they went back to Rabbi Gamliel, Omar Lahan, he said to them, they must have showed him the time at which Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa prayed. And he said, by the divine service. In other words, like, oh my gosh. You are not um, you are not short and you are not um, and you have not added. In other words, you have you have hit the exact moment on the head. This is exactly what happened. But that same exact moment, my son's fever went away. And he asked us for water to drink. And there was another story of He went to study Torah from Yochanan ben Zakai, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai's son became sick. Omar Los, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai, said to him, Chanina, my son, please, Davin, please pray for my son, for mercy for my son, that he may live. So, he um, placed his head between his knees and he pleaded for mercy and the son the son lived. Had I put my head between my knees all day long, the God would never would not have even paid attention to me. Um and look what happened there Rabbi Hanina. He was able to get God's attention and my son is healed. Amr lo ishto. So Rabbi Yochanan Zakeh's wife said to him, V'chin Hanina gadol Does this mean then that Hanina is greater than you? Amr lo lav. He said no. Elohu dome ke'eved l'fnei ha-melech. V'ani dome kisar l'fnei ha-melech. Rather, Hanina, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, he's like a servant before the king and I am like an officer before the king. Um, so a servant goes back and forth before the king all the time. So he is in, has much more, he has a closer connection to the king than the officer does who only comes in every once in a while. So therefore, Hanina is listened to because he's a servant. He has that very close connection with the king. And A person should only pray in a house that has windows. Shinema, as the verse says, we're talking about Daniel, and it says that Daniel had wind in windows. 
um, open in his second story facing Jerusalem, and that's where he would pray every day. Um, Rav Kahana says, so by the way, just an interesting concept as to why you'd pray with windows is perhaps in order that you should remember that there is a whole world out there for you to pray about and for you to keep in mind during your prayer so that it's not just a prayer for yourself. Rav Kahana said that um, he thinks um, that somebody is egocentric who prays in a valley and the idea basically is is i guess that guy thinks that he'll be able to pray properly in a valley when really it's an open space and anything can distract him um i also think that it's ego that it's arrogant for somebody to share the sin that he may have done his sins with other people as the verse says Praiseworthy is the one whose um, transgression is forgiven, who covers up his sin. In other words, who does not share it and make it into anything but a personal matter. Hajran Allah in Omdim. We've just finished the chapter of Ain Omdim, the fifth chapter of Brachos. The sixth chapter is very fascinating, very, very important when it comes to many of the blessings that we say throughout our day. Have a great night.